Potomac District, I want to thank God first for, um, I'm grateful for a great leadership. And so I, I honor our Bishop, um, I, I honor Bishop James Davis. I honor our Episcopal Supervisor, Mother Arellis Davis. And I thank God in this Potomac District for our presiding elder, presiding elder, Ronald E. Braxton and for Dr. Marie Braxton. I thank God uh, the presiding elder literally has been the presiding elder that was made for pandemic, was made for this kind of a season and had been preparing us as a district uh, for these kinds of issues and situations. So presiding elder, thank you so much. Also, thank you for giving me the opportunity uh, to help uh, you to be able to pull together uh, this uh, Potomac District Fall Conclave. Um, it's a great honor and a privilege uh, to be able to just share in this with you. And for that, we're grateful. Now, look, I thank God for the word. I thank God for this opportunity to share. And I'm down here at Black Lives Matter Plaza. I felt that as we are dealing with and navigating uh, the shift of both spiritually and technologically, uh, that it was important to show there are a range of ways that we can preach, a range of opportunities that we have uh, that take us outside of the four walls and allow us to fit into the larger context of the moment. And so if you allow me, I want to share our scripture today. It's from 2 Kings, the 6th chapter, the 24th verse, 2 Kings, the 6th chapter, I'm sorry, actually the 30th verse, 2 Kings 6:30, And it reads as us, when the king heard the women's words, he tore his robes, and as he went along the wall, the people looked, and they saw that under his robes he had sackcloth on his body. He said, May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if the head of Elisha, son of Shaphat, remains on his shoulders today. Now Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him. The king sent a messenger ahead, but before he arrived, Elisha said to the elders, Don't you see how this murderer is sending someone to cut off my head? Look, when the messengers come, shut the door and hold it shut against him. Is not the sound of his master's footsteps behind him? While he was still talking to them, the messenger came down to him. The king said, this disaster is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Elisha replied, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says about this time tomorrow. A say of the finest flour will sell for a shekel and two says of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heavens, could this happen? My brothers and my sisters, I want to share with you, as I go to God in the word of prayer, I want to share with you on the subject and on the thought. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on God. Let me pray. God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this day that is yours. I thank you for your hand and for your power. I thank you for your grace and for your love. Now, God, have your way in this, your servant. Uh, save somebody, heal somebody, God. Uh, set the captive free, deliver somebody. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Don't give up on God. You, you know, it's an interesting thing, but as I was reflecting on this sermon, as I was reflecting on the things that I needed to share for this sermon, and even on the title, one of the things that I had thought of initially was this sermon was going to be called Don't Give Up. It was going to be called Don't Give Up because I, I wanted to be able to share the need for determination in this kind of a season. I wanted to share the need for us to be able to press through in the midst of the season. In the midst of this shift, I wanted to encourage you not to give up. But I realized, the truth be told, I was putting too much of an influence on you. I was putting too much of an influence on us, on our own power, on our own strength. And I realized I had to say, don't give up on God. Because if I'm honest with you, in the midst of this shift, there have been times in which it's been too much for me. 
If I'm honest with you, it's been times in which it's been overwhelming and I've wanted to throw in the towel. It's been times in which I just haven't felt like I had enough to hold up and to do what was needed. It's been times, if I'm honest with you, in which emotionally I was giving up, in which financially I felt like giving up, in which spiritually I felt like giving up. And that's when I realized that it wasn't enough for me to tell you don't give up, but I had to tell you, Potomac District, don't give up on God. Because the fact of the matter is, whenever I felt like giving up, I, I heard like my old grandmom, you say, Father, I stretch my hands to thee, Noah, the help I know. If thou withdraw thyself from me, whether shall I go? I realized that I could not give up on God because God is able to help us through the wits of our situations. And now we find ourselves at, the, uh, at, at a peculiar intersection. We find ourselves at the intersection of pandemic protests and politics. Uh, that's the reason that I wanted to share this sermon uh, right here at Black Lives Matter Plaza, uh, right here in the shadow of the White House. Uh, because you've got to understand in the midst of pandemic, in the midst of protests, in the midst of, of, of politics, uh, that we find ourselves uniquely situation and a don't give up kind of a situation, a situation in which we need God to move, a pandemic which has killed hundreds of thousands, protests which uh, further illustrate the, the, the issues that we have with policing in this county uh, in which we still can't seem to find justice, and politics in which we have a president um, who, who seems to think that the Oval Office is actually his own personal clubhouse, and, and, and in which white supremacist thought and white supremacy seems to be uh, the tenor of the day. But I've come by to tell you that as overwhelming as all of that feels and all of that seems, don't give up on God. And so when I look over the season, I realize uh, that here we have in the text Elijah and Elijah was dealing with the king of Israel. And the king of Israel uh, was finding himself under siege by Ben-Hadad, the king of the Arameans. And they found themselves as Israel in the midst of a, a situation in which it seemed like they should give up. They found themselves under siege and to the point in which they had been under siege and they were so hungry that some folks were even engaging in cannibalism. That here you have this siege-like situation. Here you have this situation, uh, almost like a pandemic kind of a situation in which it seems to be no way out. It seems to be outside of, it seems like, almost like the situation we're in right now. Uh, but I've come by to tell you in the midst of a rough situation, in the midst of a siege-like situation, don't give up on God. Uh, that what happens is uh, that here you have the king of Israel and he gets so upset. Uh, now, now let me help you. As I reflect on this text, I, I often admit that previously when I preached this text, I preached it uh, with a bit of spiritual hubris. Uh, I've often preached this text of uh, putting myself in the place of Elijah. I've often preached this text uh, allowing myself to somehow be the great man of God because the truth be told uh, that I often have asked God, God, let me do great things for you. God, let me be a great man of God. God, let me be a great spiritual leader. God, let me be able uh, to be able to stand in the midst of hard times and do a great work for you. Uh, but it's in this season, in this moment, that has caused me to be a little bit more humble. It's caused me in the midst of pandemic, in the midst of protests, in the midst of politics, uh, to understand and so that, that I may not always be Elijah in the story. And so if you allow me uh, uh, to do some exegetical experimentation, and in this story allow ourselves to not see ourselves as Elijah as we often would want to be, but to see ourselves through the vantage point of three other characters in this story, uh, uh, to, to the perspectives of three other people in this story, uh, to be able to move along this journey. And so as we move along this journey, uh, I believe that there are three lessons that we can learn. 
and we can learn it from three different perspectives. One, the first lesson is a look to God and not at God. That when we look at this scripture, what we will realize as we read it was uh, that the king of Israel was going to Elijah because he was upset. He was upset because it seemed like it was a situation they couldn't get out of. And in the midst of it, he went to Elijah and he blamed God for what they were going through. Then he looked to Elijah and his blame was that why would God do this to us? He blamed God and he went to kill Elijah because Elijah was God's representative. And isn't that interesting that sometimes we can be in issues and situations and we can go to look at God and not to God? We can look at God as the source of our problem instead of looking to God as a source of our deliverance. But I've come by Potomac District to tell you in the midst of pandemic, in the midst of protests, in the midst of politics, to look to God, not look at God. Uh, that here you have uh, this king and this king wanted to blame God for what was happening in the situation instead of looking at his own complicity and the issues of the time. That he's blaming God because uh, King Ben-Hadad was laying siege. He's blaming blaming God because they didn't have enough resources to last out the siege. He's blaming God because they didn't have the allies to handle the siege instead of blaming his own leadership. His own leadership could have dealt with Ben-Hadad. His own leadership could have been the reason that he, he had not uh, shaped the allies he needed for a siege-like situation. His own, his own leadership uh, could have been the reason they did not have uh, the storehouse of resources to make it in the midst of a siege situation. But instead of looking within and looking at himself, he looked at God as the source of his issues. And I've come by to tell you in the midst of this moment right now, I know it may seem rough, rough in community, rough or on your job, rough at the church. I know it may seem like you're trying to figure out how you're going to make it through. Uh, but don't look at God as the issue, but look at God as the solution. Uh, look at God as the one who can get you out. Look at God. And so what we find is Elijah uh, had to help Ben-Hadad with his thinking, thinking. Uh, Elijah had to shift his perspective and Elijah had to let him know uh, that before this day, by tomorrow, uh, the script is going to be flipped. By tomorrow, that God is going to have worked some things out. By tomorrow, that God is going to have changed things. That by tomorrow, this time, that prosperity is going to be in the land. And I've come by to prophetically speak to you to let you know that I know right now uh, you're looking at it like it's a no-hope situation. But don't give up on God because God can change it by tomorrow. That by tomorrow, that God can have in line everything we need to be able to work out this situation. So I've come by to let you know, my brothers and my sisters, don't give up on God. But by tomorrow, that God can turn the situation around. Lesson number two is just because you have access doesn't mean you have power. Now, look, I want you to learn this from the uh, perspective of the gentleman who the king was leaning on. Uh, the Bible says that uh, Elijah had told the king that God's about to turn it around, that God's about to do a major move, that God is about to orchestrate something significant. And in the midst of it all, in the midst of all that God was about to do, in the midst of the possibility of the moment, uh, the, the Bible says that there was this gentleman as an officer who the king leaned on, an officer who had access, an officer who the king was right there with. And this man said, how in the world could that happen? Even if God opened up the windows of heaven, uh, that, that couldn't happen. In, in other words, that this guy had access, but in the midst of his access to the king, it caused him, not, it caused him to miss the move that God was about to do. 
and I've come by and I want to help somebody understand something, we can learn from the perspective of that officer uh, that just because you have access doesn't mean you have power. Uh, that here I stand in Black Lives Matter Plaza with the White House as my backdrop. And one of the things that we can learn during this season from our evangelical brothers and sisters is just because you have access doesn't mean you have power. That sometimes you can line yourself up with access to leadership and because they have power, you can think your access gives you power. But what I've come by to let you know is uh, that the only kind of access I need is that that I get through Jesus Christ that gets me to the Father. Uh, the kind of access that gives me Holy Ghost power. I, I don't need political power because political power can take you any old kind of way. I don't need access to the White House when access to the White House compromises my character. I don't need access to political power when access to political power uh, causes me to have conflict with what happens in my community. But I need access to real power. I need access to the kind of power that's transformational power. And one of the things I want to warn us, Potomac District, even as we have a shift in administration, is don't get so caught up with access to the White House that you miss transformational power. You see, when we have a kind of leadership that's shaped on access, then our leadership is always connected to who we're connected to. Uh, but I've come by to say that the word of God allows you to understand that you need to have prophetic power, that in this time that you can't get so caught up on political access uh, that you miss uh, your prophetic power. But you've got to understand uh, that in the midst of the access I have, that God gives me access to political leaders so I can say, thus saith the Lord. That's what you saw from Elijah. Uh, that Elijah talked to the king and he didn't get caught up on what the king was thinking, but he got caught up on what God was saying. And in this moment, I need us as a Potomac district in the shadow of the Washington Monument and the shadow of the White House to understand even as the season is shifting uh, that we can't get so caught up and getting to the table and getting called to the meeting that we don't say what God says in the meeting. But you've got to understand we've got power and you've got to move and understand that access is about power. Now, the third thing I want to share with you, Potomac district, is some of the biggest noise can be made outside the wall. Uh, the, if you've seen during this sermon, I've moved um, in different locations uh, because I wanted to get different perspectives uh, as we're coming from different perspectives. Now y'all see that it started to rain and so I got an umbrella because sometimes in this pandemic preaching, um, when it rains, it pours. Uh, but the third thing I really want you to get is you can make some of the biggest noise outside the gate. <clears throat> if you go a little bit further in that text, what you will see is there were four lepers. There were four lepers outside the gate of the city. There were four lepers outside of the gate. And if you understand leprosy, you understand uh, that lepers uh, were not considered to be a part of regular society. You understand that lepers did not live with everybody else. They lived out by themselves. You understand that lepers uh, were not considered were considered to be unclean and were not able to participate in even the rituals of the time, even in worship of the time. And here you have these four lepers outside the gates of the city, not even in the city. Can you picture what that's like? Uh, that you're in the middle of a siege and you can't even be in the city. I'm talking about you're in the middle of a time in which the folks in the city can't even get something to eat and you can't even be in the city. Here they are outside the gates. And isn't that how it feels sometimes in this nation? Outside the gates. That's why I position this right here. Uh, here you have this fence, uh, this line of resistance outside of the White House. Here you are 
outside of the gates. Everybody else seems to participate. Even in the midst of chaos, they seem to be participating. Even in the midst of rough times, they seem to be participating. Even in the midst of sirens, they seem to be participating. And in the midst of it all, here you find yourself outside the gate. But I've come by to let you know, uh, don't get worried because you're outside the gate, because you've got power. You've got power, and when you make a step, God can make a noise. Uh, how do you know, Reverend? Because here we find these gentlemen, these four lepers, outside the gate. These four lepers are outside the gate, and in their outside-the-gate situation, they make a decision to bust a move. They make a decision, and they say, look, we can stand here and die, or we can go into the Aramean's camp and turn ourselves over, and, we, and either they're going to kill us or they may feed us. But either way, we'll be better and we'll figure it out. They decided I cannot stand the complacency. I can't stand in the same place, but I've got to make a move. And here you have these brothers. They decided to make a move around dust. The Bible says they made a move around dust. And it said that by the time they got to the camp of the Arameans, that everything was cleared out. It said that the Arameans were gone, but they had left all of their treasure. They had left all of the food. They had left all of their possessions. The Aramean army had fled. Here you have these four lepers that by the time they got to the enemy's camp, the enemy had already run away and had left everything for them. Now, here's what happened that blows my mind. The Bible says that these four lepers left at dusk. But then if you look a little bit later in the scripture, it says that the Arameans at dusk heard the sound of a mighty army. Okay, y'all missed that. I said that the lepers left at dusk and started to walk to the enemy's camp. But the Bible says that the enemy at dusk started to hear the sound of a mighty army. The Arameans got scared. The Arameans said, oh my goodness, the king of Israel must have went and he must have gotten the Egyptian army and gotten some other armies as his allies to come and to fight us. And they left everything they had and they ran off for their lives. The, 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 what blows my mind is that at dusk, the men started walking and at dusk, a sound of a mighty army started coming. Uh, I, I want to let you know that we found this throughout our history. Uh, the, the sound you can make outside of the walls, outside of the gates, is a huge sound. And it doesn't have to take a whole bunch. It doesn't have to take a lot. It can just take four folks just to make a walk. If you look, our, our, our dear sister, our, 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 all throughout our struggle, that you can find uh, folks who just took a step and you, God made a sound. Rosa Parks took a step and God made a sound. Shirley Chisholm took a step and God made a sound. The Dr. King took a step and that God made a sound. That's why I love this Black Lives Matter plaza because folks are out here protesting. They're taking a step and God's making a sound. And when you take a step, God can make a sound and it can sound like a mighty army. A mighty army can be moving before you. So I've come by Potomac District to let you know that I don't care if it's just a couple of you, take a step and watch God make a sound. And when God makes a sound, the enemy's got to get up and run. When God makes a sound, how do I know God can make a sound? When you take a step, some folks in Georgia took a step and voted and God made a sound. Folks in Arizona took a step and God made a sound. The black folks in Philly and black folks in Detroit took a step to the voting booth and God made a sound. And now there's gonna be some new folks in the White House because some folks took a step 
and God made a sound. Uh, but I've come by to let you know that this isn't the only election that we needed God to move. But I want to thank God. Over 2,000 years ago, there was an election. There was an election in which Pontius Pilate uh, was sitting there, and there was a polling place in front of Pontius Pilate's situation. And Pontius Pilate said, look, uh, I know y'all are calling for a crucifixion, but I've got Barabbas and I've got Jesus. Uh, I can give you one. Which one do you want to be set free? And the folks that were there in this Holy Ghost polling place uh, made a decision, and they made a vote, and they said, give us Barabbas. They said, look, we want Barabbas to be free, but crucify Jesus. That in that election, they made the decision to take Barabbas' freedom and Jesus' crucifixion. But I've come by to let you know uh, that how the story goes is then they took Jesus to that old rugged cross. And, and because of that election, because I tell you, elections have consequences. Because of that election, they pierced him in his hands and they pierced him in his feet. They stretched him high and they, they hung him high and they stretched him wide. And for my sins and your sins, he died. They pierced him in his side and he died. They put him in an old borrow tomb and, 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 and he went down to hell and the grave. And I can picture the devil thinking he had the victory, but the devil made a mistake because Jesus was in hell and the grave. But the devil made a mistake because he forgot about the absentee ballots. And when the absentee ballots started to come in, when the mail-in ballots started to come in, Elijah's ballot came in, and Sarah's ballot came in, and Hagar's ballot came in, and Joshua's ballot came in, and Abraham's ballot came in. Then all the priests of old and all the saints of old ballot came in. And it took a while for them to count the ballots. They counted the ballots all night Friday night. They counted the ballots all day Saturday. But I'm so glad to tell you that early Sunday morning, the ballots had been counted and Jesus came up with all power and victory. I've got to let you know, Potomac District, that you've got to understand that because Jesus had the victory, that you can be outside the gates. But if you take a step, then God will make the sound. Potomac District, I need you to understand in this season, God's got a work for us to do in the midst of pandemic, in the midst of protests, in the midst of politics. God wants to turn it around, but you've got to take a step and God will make a sound. I'm grateful to God, Potomac District, for this time. Now, there may be someone who's watching this who's never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You've never given Jesus a chance. But I've come by to let you know that no matter who you are, what you've done, who you did it with, that God sent Jesus for you. So if you want to give your life to Christ today, today is your day. If you want to get a church home, today is your day. You can let us know just by texting the words HOPE DECISION to 474747. HOPE DECISION, one word, to 474747. Or there's also a link in the chat, but we want to get connected. We got a whole bunch of churches you can get with, a whole bunch of churches you can go to, but most of all, give your heart to the Lord. We're so grateful for all that God is doing. I wanna pray for you, and we're believing that God can make all the difference in your life. God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for whoever it is that is making a decision for you, whether it's to give their life to Christ, whether it's for a church home. And God, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you shall make all the difference. So bless them, keep them, strengthen them to your honor, to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.
God bless you, Potomac District. It's been a wonderful time sharing with you. I'm grateful to God for you. Thank you so much, Presiding Elder. And now we shall have time for giving and Presiding Elder to be able to close us out. And then after that, uh, we've got some music for you to go, be able to go out on. I want to thank God. It is the Voices of Hope. It is, it is the Music Minister of Community of Hope with our band, with Brother J.J. Harrison, uh, the, the, uh, um, the, the stellar award-winning J.J. Harrison. We believe it a blessing.